my thinking was a commitment I had made to, to Taysom in the off season. Um, it couldn't be any further from the truth, the second narrative. I and we as an organization love what we've seen from Jameis. And, and that constantly weighs in your mind relative to each game. Um, going into the season, all three of the quarterbacks knew that in the event that there were any injury during a game, Jameis was coming in. Uh, but Taysom was going to have uh, a large plan in special teams and at tight end. And, uh, and then we would go from there. And, and so when that situation arose and Drew was hurt for a longer period of time, I visited with Jameis. I visited with Taysom. Uh, I had basically given Taysom my word in the offseason that, hey, this is long before Jameis even arrived, that he would have that opportunity as the two coming back here. Um, that being said, he's being evaluated each week. Um, man, I've been I've been proud of how that room has handled it, uh, Jameis particularly, because he's 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 a competitor and he wants that opportunity. And 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 listen, I I feel like I said it a week ago. I feel like our next quarterback's in the building, and one of the attractions for Jameis and I understand it was there aren't many places in free agency where you can go to a team and have a pretty good bet that that quarterback like Drew is going to be playing in his last year. You know, that doesn't exist. You go to a team and then, you know, Hey, you're going to look for that opportunity to sometime be a starter. He he's going to have that opportunity. uh, The minute Drew leaves and both he and Taysom know that. What's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Good morning to you. Hope everybody's having a good Thursday morning. I know a lot of people are probably trying to get up early uh, for those that don't have to work, trying to catch uh, those malls and trying to get those uh, Christmas gifts, man, before the weekend happens. And then you in that complete firestorm right there. But nevertheless, thank you so much for spending your Thursday morning with yours truly here on the State of the Saints podcast. And rather you're listening in your car, you're listening at work or in the comfort of your own home. Thank you so much. On this edition, we're going to be talking about Jameis Winston. That's right. We're going to be talking about Jameis Winston. And we're going to be answering a question. Can Sean Payton resurrect Jameis Winston's career? That's the question of the day. Can Sean Payton resurrect Jameis Winston's career? And the reason why we came up with this topic is because, of course, of what I played at the beginning of the podcast. It was the interview that Sean Payton did with Huddle and Flow with Jim Trotter and Steve Weish. And I'm pretty sure some of you probably uh, heard a few clips of that um, that I posted on a, on a previous episode of the State of the Saints podcast. But we never really went in depth 
and I never really broke things down for everybody to understand like why I feel like we should give Jameis Winston an opportunity here in New Orleans. And I know a lot of people, we are prisoners of the moment here in the Houdet Nation, rather we want to admit it or not. A lot, a lot of us want to pretend like we just know how to evaluate talent. As much football as I watch, man, I, I can truly say that I don't have all the answers. But I do feel like we in the Houdet Nation need to give Jameis Winston an opportunity. And I'll speak on that just a tad bit later. But I want to say thank you to everybody that's following into the chat. Thank you so much for allowing uh, the State of Saints podcast to be a part of your day. I uh, want to give a special shout out to Herman in particular, man, all the way in Italy. You know, thank you so much, Herman. Uh, thank you so much to all the familiar uh, individuals. Uh, tier one, uh, shouts out to you, man. I heard that you uh, got out the hospital. So, uh, man, I hope that you uh, make a speedy recovery. Uh, you know, you were dealing with COVID-19. Shouts out to tier one. Uh, shouts out to uh, Chemo. Shouts out to Jerry Poor. Uh, shouts out to Sir Rogers, Charles, uh, Domingo, Carla. Uh, thank you all so much, you know, and, and so many others that's following in right now. But the question, can Sean Payton resurrect Jameis Winston's career? You know, I really feel like Sean Payton can resurrect Jameis Winston's career just for the simple fact that I have a lot of confidence in Sean Payton. I think that Sean Payton can help Jameis Winston uh, see the field better. I feel like he can help him by allowing Jameis Winston to kind of work towards his strengths and not his weaknesses. Uh, first off, we have to understand something, right? Jameis Winston was the first pick overall. He was the first pick overall in the 2000, I want to say 2015 draft. He was the number one overall pick. And Jameis Winston went to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was struggling. But let me backtrack, okay? If you have the first pick in a draft, nine times out of 10, you stink, okay? Unless your GM just just made one heck of a deal that involved the trade and, you know what I'm saying, and you traded with the team and that team was bad and you end up getting their draft pick, nine times out of ten, if you are a number one overall pick, you're going to an organization that's not very good. And with you being the number one overall pick, it comes with high expectations. When you are the number one pick, everybody expects for you to get that stench of, of mediocrity or terribleness uh, or, or terrible play out of their organization. And when Jameis Winston went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, high expectations, right? Because he is the first overall pick. When Jameis Winston went to Tampa, he didn't have a running game. He didn't have an offensive coordinator that, that supported him. He didn't have an offensive coordinator that can help him develop. He was under Lovey Smith at the time, if I'm not mistaken, and he had a pretty decent year. You know what I'm saying? He had a pretty decent year. I mean, he had maybe, I want to say maybe 14 interceptions. Like, don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. And, you know, Lovey Smith ended up, you know what I'm saying? No, Lovey Smith wasn't there. I take that back. Dirk Cutter was there. And, you know what I'm saying? He ended up getting fired in the process. You know what I'm saying? Lovey Smith ended up getting fired. Dirk Cutter was there. And, you know what I'm saying? Dirk Cutter, who is a decent offensive coordinator, we all can see that he wasn't really a really good, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, a really good head coach. And like I said, Jameis Winston had high expectations. Tampa Bay wanted him to go out here and be the savior of their organization. And that's a lot of pressure. And, and not to mention, 
you know, you don't have a supporting cast around you. So I just felt like that was a recipe for disaster. So Dirk Cutter gets fired. In comes Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, who's known as the quarterback whisperer, and he can do some really good things as a coordinator. But Bruce Arians is an extremely stubborn human being that just believes that his system is going to work and it's not his system. It's the person that's running the system. You rarely ever see him take accountability, even when you have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time on your roster in Tom Brady. He's continuously throw him under the bus instead of him looking within himself and trying to figure out what can I do to better the situation. But Jameis Winston had him as a coach. Jameis Winston goes out there and plays so horribly that they end up bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick and having Jameis Winston sit on a bench after he served a four-game suspension. So he regressed in the process. And then the following year, when Ryan Fitzpatrick ended up going to the Miami Dolphins, he was the number one quarterback, Jameis Winston. And he went out there and he threw 30 interceptions. He threw 30 interceptions in one season. And a lot of people now are saying that Jameis Winston is terrible. Because that's the way that we do things. But I want people to put this into perspective. You have to understand that coaching matters. I know we like to think that these guys are just super talented and they can just deal with the elements and they can just roll with the punches. But coaching matters. It matters, folks. No matter how you want to slice it, cut it. It matters. And when you look at players like Jared Goff, who had Sean McVay as his coach, who who talks to him before the mic cuts out 15 seconds before the play clock uh, goes to zero, who's always constantly in his ear, always helping him see the field. You look at people, you know, that that like Patrick Mahomes, right, who had a really good arm, a lot of arm talent, but Andy Reid put him in a position to succeed. You look at, you know, Peyton Manning at the beginning of his career, who struggled, you know, when Jim Morrow was his coach. But then, you know what I'm saying, he got Tony Dungy, and Tony Dungy surrounded him with good offensive coordinators and good quarterback coaches who stayed with him throughout his time in Indianapolis, and he resurrected his career. He turned those interceptions into positive play. So what I say is Jameis Winston has this opportunity to get better because Sean Payton will not allow Jameis Winston to do things that makes Jameis Winston uncomfortable. It's very important that guys go into systems that's friendly to their skill set. We're seeing Carson Wentz struggle, struggle with it right now because Doug Peterson and his offensive staff don't really have the tools to help Carson Wentz succeed. So now the narrative is Carson Wentz forgot how to play football for some apparent reason. Jameis Winston can be a much better quarterback. And for all those people out here that are still looking at those 30 interceptions, once again, Pay attention to the coaching. Pay attention to what was asked of Jameis Winston. And we also have to look at the fact of when Drew Brees first came to New Orleans, it wasn't like we looked at Drew Brees like we do today. There was a lot of skepticism about Drew Brees. We didn't know what to think about Drew Brees. Here we've seen a six-foot-tall, 209-pound quarterback come to our organization, but we didn't know what Drew Brees could bring to the table because at the time, Drew Brees was battling it out with Phillip Rivers for a starting position. And a lot of us thought, well, dang, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he wasn't good enough, uh, you know, to beat out Phillip Rivers. So what makes us think that he's going to be better for us? And the rest is history. Now, I'm not trying to compare Jameis Winston to Drew Brees because I feel like with Drew Brees, if you look at his stats, 
he had a high interception rate as well. But the thing about it is he became a student of the game. He became he became a guy that was knowledgeable. He was a guy that stayed late. He was a guy that, that put, uh, you know, said an extra time in to make himself better. And when I look at Jameis Winston, I, I look at a guy who probably could have went to another organization, could have made a lot more money and probably would have been playing at this particular time. But he decides to come to the Saints organization on a one million dollar contract. He lost 30 pounds. He got himself into the best shape of his career and he came here and humbled himself when he knew for a fact that he wasn't going to be a starter for the New Orleans Saints. So with that alone, I would say that Jameis Winston has become a better has become a better player in the process because anybody else would have said, I'm a starter in this league. Tampa wasn't that good. It's their fault. I'm going to go somewhere that appreciates me. And as you can see, there's a lot of mediocrity at the quarterback position around the, around the league right now. And I'm pretty sure Jameis Winston could have been a much better quarterback or I won't say a much better quarterback, but he would have been a, a decent quarterback or made a, another system better or probably won a couple more games for a struggling franchise. So all I'm saying is Jameis Winston has what it takes to be a starting quarterback. He has what it takes to become a better version of himself. And I don't know what people are talking about that, that just believe what people are saying about Jameis Winston. And I find that very hypocritical who that nation, I find it very hypocritical because on one hand, we want people to understand how good the saints team is right now. We're yelling from the rooftops. We're screaming. We're talking about the media and we're telling, we're telling the media, man, forget what y'all saying. This is a good football team. But the only narrative about the Saints is, yeah, but. But we, on the other hand, we listen to the media when they tell us that Jameis Winston is not a good quarterback. So what is it, folks? What is it? We can't have it both ways. We can't listen to the, the, the dialogue that we want to listen to to validate ourselves. And then on the other hand, you know, want to dismiss Jameis Winston in the process and use the media uh, as our package it, it doesn't work like that so I say get a guy a chance give him an opportunity to go out there and play and I think that he, he'll play really well because he has an amazing skill set man he has great he has great abilities and I feel like with the right coaching he can be a guy that can win a lot of games for a franchise St. Santana says uh, they just can't let Jameis touch the field this year or he might cash out like Teddy, maybe. That's a question, Saint, that I asked John DeShazer. You know, I, I asked about that. And I, I think there is some some method to that madness. You know, I, I do feel like Sean Payton don't want Jameis Winston to touch the field because he wants to have him in, in the back pocket, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, I, I used the term yesterday on the State of the Saints podcast. I said, you know, he doesn't want him to show his hand. You know, maybe he got a he got a straight flush. You know what I'm saying? He don't want to, you know what I'm saying, give off that he does have a straight flush. And, you know, some people I seen, you know, was laughing at that particular statement that I made. But we don't know. Right. We didn't know that. We didn't know that uh, Drew Brees was going to be as great as he was once again. So we don't know what these guys can do in the right coach's hands. Uh, Deborah says, share an invite. I appreciate that. X-Men says, I love the way Peyton calls better plays to cater to the quarterbacks who started and Winston threw a lot of picks due to the play calls in Tampa. 
if Teddy can go five and zero with passing efficient uh, efficiency, uh, then Jameis can too. X Men, look, you have to look at the coaching, right? Every quarterback that Bruce Arians has had has had a high volume of interceptions, right? I mean, they have been really high, almost close to the 20s. I mean, look at Tom Brady this year. Look how Tom Brady is throwing interceptions. You know, look how Carson Palmer threw interceptions. I mean, look how Ben Roethlisberger threw interceptions. I mean, mean, Jameis Winston threw interceptions. It seems like this system is designed for like the – man, I'm not saying it. For quarterbacks to throw the ball down the field, but there's a high probability that the ball can be picked because it's in the air for a long period of time. So maybe we need to start looking at that. Maybe we need to start looking at Bruce Arians as a coach and what he's asking these players to do and also go back and look at some of the quarterback play under his guidance. And I think we'll find the truth. Uh, Based on Sean's interview, he's speaking highly of Winston. Yeah, I, I really feel like he believes in Jameis Winston. You know, I, I think that he really wants Jameis to come back and really try and see if Jameis can get a starting spot. Because uh, I really feel like he thinks that he can he can correct some of Jameis's uh, issues. Brady throwing picks now, so Bruce is no quarterback whisperer. If he is whispering to him, he's telling him uh, the wrong thing. I can tell you that. I believe he can. Uh, he done it with Breeze. Breeze was good with the Chargers, but not like he is now. Uh, if we, uh, if he was still a Charger, I don't think he would have the records he has now, and I don't think he would be the quarterback that he is now. Can't forget about that either. It's about it's about uh, the system, man. Uh, filling Drew Breeze' shoes is a is a big expectation, also, and that's something, Timo, that we have to stop doing. We compare all quarterbacks to Drew Brees. You know, I, I posted the, the stats of Jameis Winston in the first five years and Drew Brees in the first five years. And people were like, man, you know, well, he ain't on Brees level. My question is, who is on Brees level? You got some starting quarterbacks right now that's balling out that's not on Brees level. So for us to say that Winston is not on Brees level, that's not saying much because we think that Drew Brees is special for a reason. What we got to stop doing is we got to stop looking at Drew Brees because regardless to who the quarterback is, rather it's Jameis, rather it's Taysom, rather it's somebody else, there is going to be a drop-off at the quarterback position for, for, you know, for some time because these guys are going to still have to be able to learn how to play the position at a high level and also understand what Sean Payton wants from them. So I think that we need to stop looking at Drew and comparing these guys to Drew Brees, because if you think that uh, Drew Brees is growing trees, you think that you can just find a Drew Brees on every street corner, then you sadly mistaken. So it's going to take some time. And I think that we in a who that nation, we have become impatient. We become impatient, you know, because we the Drew Brees has set the expectations and, and, and you know what I'm saying, in a bar so high that anything that's not close to that, that bar or above that bar, we look at as, you're straight slow. We don't have the patience because we never had to really have patience with Drew because he always came through, you know? So I think that we need to give these guys opportunities, you know, and, and stop looking at them like they drew Brees because, you know, Drew, uh, Drew Brees is a one of a kind athlete and a one of a kind quarterback. 
What annoys me is when people trash Taysom Hill saying he's not accurate. I understand he fumbles a lot, but look at the stats compared to other backups. I want to see what Jameis has too. I will respect whoever Sean Payton decides to start, but don't trash Hill without knowing the facts of his stats first. Well, look, Casey, Taysom Hill, uh, if you look at some of these other backup quarterbacks in the National Football League, uh, you you can't say that Taysom Hill is playing a tad bit better than those guys. But the thing about it is Taysom Hill needs to see the field better. Taysom Hill needs to stop holding on to the football. Taysom Hill needs to know how to line up his players. Taysom Hill needs to stop calling plays backwards. You know, fumbling, fumbling and throwing interception and throwing these rocket balls and not putting touch on his passes, no matter how, how good you are, how many great qualities you have. Right. For example, let's just say that I'm a I'm, I'm a I'm a good human being. Right. For the most part. Right. I, I do all the nice things and I smile and I'm friendly. But you find out, you know, what I'm saying that, you know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm out here messing around on my wife. Right. You know what I'm saying like, you know, like, yeah, you're doing all these things, but you are you're a terrible human being. You know what I'm saying? Like, look what you're doing here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yo, like I'm doing all these great things, but look at this alarming like thing that just stands out above it all. You know, I mean, look, I love my wife. Okay, I want look, I don't get it twisted. I'm just using that as an example, right? I want to call nobody else out. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, like, that's an alarming. You know what I'm saying? That's an alarming situation. Taysom Hill can do all these great things, but turning over the football it negates everything that you do well. That's all people remember. And you know what I'm saying? Like not making the right reads, holding on to the ball too long is going to have you sitting on the bench. And you know, and, and a lot of people are questioning the fact that can he be a long time starter? I know I'm one of those folks. I'm one of those folks, man. And I think we just like Taysom Hill. I think we just like him. Like people like Taysom Hill for his grit, his passion, you know what I'm saying? The the, the spark that he brings to the team. And we need to stop, man. We need to stop that. We we really need to stop that. A lot of a lot of the times we don't evaluate players like fully because we have an emotional investment in those players. We have such an emotional investment for that player to succeed that we look past their they shortcomings. And the only thing that we see is, well, they battling hard. It's almost like that kid that's on that peewee team that plays really hard, but he's probably not the best player on the field. But he always, always around the pile. You know what I'm saying? He'll be that one that's grabbed on to that bigger player leg while that player dragging him down the field to his teammates, gang tackle him. And, you know, I get it, you know. But at the same time, we got to look at this realistically, man. You know, this ain't a popularity contest. Like, this ain't this ain't the high school yearbook here. You know what I'm saying? We ain't talking about the most popular. We talking about the guy that can ball out, game in, game out, day in, day out, put the work in, and you know for a fact that they can play at a high level no matter who they go up against. Like, seriously, man. Like, how many of us right now are nervous about the Kansas City Chiefs game? You know what I'm saying? Will we have the same level of nervousness that we knew number nine was going to be starting in this game on Sunday? Probably not. You know, like, we we would think that we have a real strong chance, and some of us probably would be talking mad greasy to Kansas City Chiefs fans about it. But now that we have Taysom Hill, we're not sure what we're going to have. We don't know if Taysom Hill is going to go out there and – you know what I'm saying? And turn the ball over and put the Saints in a position in a deep hole. We don't know. And, you know, you would think that if you had a backup quarterback that you was comfortable with, 
you may still think about the team possibly, you know, giving up a, you know what I'm saying, giving up an L, but you would feel more comfortable that at least that, that back or quarterback could put them in a position late in the game, maybe for them to kick a field goal or score, a, you know, a late touchdown or something like that. So a lot of unanswered questions, man. What has Breeze done? One Super Bowl in 15. How many first round playoff exits? Five, 5,000 yard passing season. And of those two playoff appearances. Well, check this out, man. What has Drew Breeze done? Drew Breeze took a, a franchise that a lot of people uh, looked at as a laughing stock and he made them legit. Uh, Drew Breeze has, has took, you know what I'm saying, a, a quarterback with a, you know what I'm saying, a person that they looked at, at, at a person with a, a, a little arm. You know what I'm saying? He turned himself into one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time, right? You know, like Drew Brees uh, is Walter Payton man of the year. Drew Brees is, uh, you know, uh, one of the most important people to the city of New Orleans. Drew Brees is a person can run for mayor tomorrow and he never had no type of political affiliation or never did anything political. That's what he did. You know, people talk about that one Super Bowl, but that one Super Bowl meant a lot to this city and it meant a lot to this organization. That's what he did. It's almost equivalent to when people was talking about LeBron James winning the championship out in Miami, where you had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. But when he went back home to Cleveland, uh, uh, what uh, what they used to call a Cleveland, you know what I'm saying? They, they call them title, titleist uh, Cleveland. No championships in over 30 years. And he won that game against the Golden State Warriors. They, fit, they said that that championship meant more than both of those championships he won in Miami. And it's the same way with Drew Brees. Like, you can say that he won one championship, but look what Drew Brees has done. Drew Brees has always been in a thicker thing. Drew Brees has always been one of the most accurate and best quarterbacks in all of the National Football League. And for people just to poo-poo and just say, okay, you know, he just won one championship, but you got some quarterbacks that didn't win any. Right. Then you had some great quarterbacks that ain't never won a Super Bowl. Dan Marino, right? Jim Kelly never won a Super Bowl. So are you gonna say, well, what did Dan Marino do? What did Jim Kelly do? You know, like, come on, man. These guys are great quarterbacks. So stop buying into this whole thing about oh, championships matter. Okay. I'm saying if that mean that means Trent Dilfer is better than Jim Kelly, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, just Drew Brees alone, what he has done. Winning a Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl MVP, and and following that up, still being one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the National Football League, and you got to count the fact that Drew Brees has kept the Saints in a many of games when they didn't have a defense that can stop a nosebleed. So all you know, what I'm saying when Drew Brees was like really in his prime, the Saints never really had a defense. So give me a quarterback out there that was winning game in, game out, playoff in, playoff out every single year with no defense please tell me please tell me please tell me a team that that has a great quarterback that was out there winning super bowls in spite of not having a good defense i'll wait so we can't just put that on drew Brees. the, the same for years i mean they had court this coordinator that coordinator defense you know what i'm saying couldn't do nothing couldn't stop traffic so it wasn't drew Brees, fault. If Drew Brees, I'm telling you, if Drew Brees had a defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Seattle Seahawks when they was running wild, he would have at least about three, four Super Bowls. 
And not to mention, let's, let's not even mention 2018. Unless you're just the biggest Saints head in the history, you have to admit that the Saints was going to go to the Super Bowl. Now, if they would have beat the Patriots, that I mean, that's re- that remains to be seen. We we would we would never know. But we know this. We know that Drew Brees was supposed to be in that Super Bowl. So regardless to how you want to slice it or cut it, I mean, the only people that don't feel like the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl are haters because we all know that the referee should have threw the flag. The Saints should have took a couple of knees, kicked the field goal, got the hell up out of there, and went, went to the Super Bowl straight up. So if you kept gave him a defense, Drew Brees would have had at least, at least, at least, Three Super Bowl appearances. I don't know if you, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe three, maybe even four. Maybe even four. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh Breeze needs to sit on Sunday, fam. Coach just uh stated yesterday he has a ways to go. Realistically, Carolina is the game to circle for Breeze return. Yeah, I agree, Cries. You know, I don't think that you need to rush him back. Uh, I think that you still can win without Drew Breeze. I think that uh I think that Sean Payton can put his team in position to succeed. And look, we know that the Saints are in the playoffs. We know the Saints are in the playoffs. And all that home field advantage stuff, I don't even really care about that. I really don't care about home field advantage. I I really do not. I don't care about home field advantage because, you know, I just feel like there is no home field advantage this year. I mean, you just get a bye. It's It's just a bye week. You can go anywhere. Like you're going to play in a stadium with no fans, right? All you got to do is just play disciplined football and, and you should win a football game. So I'm not looking at home field advantage like that. And you're talking about, well, Drew Brees can, can have a bye week. Drew Brees have about five, six bye weeks, all right? You know what I'm saying? Like Drew Brees don't need no bye week. Drew Brees. At that particular time, Drew Brees gonna need repetition, right? He's gonna need some reps, he's gonna need some games. So the more games he played, probably the better, you know what I'm saying, and the more elevated he's gonna be. Say he said, Hey TJ, how can I get one of those State of the Saints podcast hoodies? Uh you go to teesprings.com, search the State of the Saints podcast. All right. And I'm probably uh gonna be, I don't know, man. I'm probably about to set something up where you know you, you send, you know what I'm saying, you send the money and I'll send one to you. Cause um I actually ran out of the hoodies uh from on Teesprings. Like we I don't I don't even know if, how many they have left or they re up the so uh it might just be a matter of me actually sending hoodies to people, you know what I'm saying, if they order one. Uh Terrence says, I'm scared if Drew Brees come back uh too quick, he might get hurt again before the playoffs. Yeah. And that's the reason why you gotta be careful with that. I don't care about any of this stuff, man. I don't. I, I stand by my statement earlier. You know, I don't even care about the whole division thing. I think this, you know, I mean, look, Saints gonna win a division unless it's just an epic collapse. But um, you know, I don't even really care about that. I care about the I care about the well-being of Drew Brees and you know him coming back for a, a, a lengthy playoff run. I ain't trying to see no no grand, grand opening, grand closing type stuff. Gabriel says New England, Brady gets all this credit, but he ain't ever have no uh, historical bad D. Never. Because Bill Belichick is one of the best defensive minds in football. You know, he has been one of the best offensive minds in football by, you know what I'm saying, going out there and, and getting the best, you know, coordinators and, and having his hands on every side of the football. So, I mean, for people who like to compare that. And I look, 
And like I said, man, I ain't got nothing against Tom Brady at all. But, you know, the fact that he won six Super Bowl rings, you know what I'm saying, it just basically just makes him a unanimous, uh, you know, best quarterback of all time. I will admit to this. I just feel like he's the best winner of all time. I've seen better quarterback play, though. But the only thing that people understand is winning. Because, you know, they, they say that winning matters. That That's what validates you if you're a winner. You know, so he won a lot of games. He won a lot of championships. But I will say this. I feel like he's the best winner. You know, I feel like he's the greatest winner of all time. I don't feel like like I don't feel like he's the best quarterback of all time. Peyton Manning had 30 interception seasons and he's a legend. It happens. Winston has matured and not too many quarterbacks can say that they had 5000 yard seasons. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, Sean Payton is looking at, too. That's what you're looking at. Jules says, if the Baltimore Ravens had a quarterback uh, in the day, we would have four more Lombardis, uh, two with the defense we had. I agree with that. I, I don't know what the heck y'all was talking about with, when y'all y'all, what y'all replaced. Did y'all replace uh, Trent Dilfer with Elvis Gervak or something like that? I can't remember, man. But it was like some terrible decision that y'all made out there in Baltimore, man. Like. Trent Dilfer was a guy who, you know, I mean, he wasn't the best quarterback in the world, but he was a good game manager. And all he needed was that defense to go out there and ball out. But that wasn't good enough for him. You know, then y'all drafted Kyle Bowler, you know, because a guy he can he can get down on one knee and throw the ball 70 yards. But that's about all he can do. OK, if this was Circus Olay, then he'll be cool. If this was the universe soul circus, then, you know, what I'm saying he would be a good act. But uh, when it came to quarterback play, uh, nah. Okay, y'all was whiffing like a mug. You know what I'm saying, man? Y'all, and then y'all had a little bit of stability when Joe Flacco was there, even though you know I feel like he sold his soul to the devil to play good in the playoffs. Regular season, he was about as mediocre as you can get. But in the playoffs, I mean, that man was out there balling out of control. It, it's, it's it's one of those uh inexplicable things. You know what I'm saying? It's something that's uh, un- unexplainable. You know, like. When you look at Eli Manning in the playoffs or something like that, you know, it's like they have this out of body experience. And I don't know, some some ghost of a quarterback, you know, what I'm saying that, that leaps inside their body, you know, what I'm saying and they playing like they're the, they the second coming of Peyton Man or Tom Brady or, or Drew Brees or something. I, I really don't understand it. But yeah, man, uh, Baltimore, they had some they had some really good defenses, man. And if they probably would have had some quarterbacks, uh, they definitely would have had way more championships than they have. And I feel the same way with. With Drew Brees. Now, I, I can't say if the Saints would have went to the Super Bowl, they would have won the, those Super Bowls, but I, I'm pretty sure he would have had more Super Bowl appearances. I can tell you that right now. Okay. Uh, top of the morning, TJ, man. What's going on? Appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Jarhead says, I hope we see Winston this weekend. Some people feel the same way. Uh, Moses says, Do you think Taysom Fumble cost us the game? No, I don't think that Taysom Fumble cost us the game. But I do feel like some of uh, Taysom decision makers uh, kind of took us out of the game. If, if you combine that with the defense uh, putting up a lackluster performance. And, you know, look, I think we all can agree, man, this defense been carrying this team since Drew Brees uh, went down. Right. You know, but and, and they were, you know, they went live for a bad game. But that's the thing. They can't have bad games because Taysom can't can't go out there and erase that, right? It, it's not It's not like when Drew Brees is out there. If the defense plays horribly or they're getting beat, Drew Brees can go out there and erase a deficit like that, right? 
I'm telling you, like it probably on that, you know, it, it wouldn't be no turnover on down, most likely, if Drew Brees uh would have been in that position that Taysom was in. Wouldn't have been no fumble, wouldn't have been no sack. You know, like it, it, you you count on a player like that. You know, I, that's why I feel like sometimes that Drew Brees is almost like the defense's kryptonite because they're, they're so used to him bailing them out that they feel like they can go out there and just play loose and they go out there and just make mistakes because they feel like number nine going to correct those mistakes. So I, I just, you know, I just feel like it didn't cost him the game, but a lot of the plays that he left on the field, guys being wide open, him not delivering the ball, him not putting guys in, in you know, putting the ball in front of guys where they can get them yards after the catch. I think that kind of stuff costs the team. Charles says, uh, who that stayed at the Saints? Appreciate it, man. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, Carla says, uh, uh, you do know this is a Saints podcast, right? Uh, I guess you're talking about with the Baltimore fans. Well, you know, Carla, uh, look, it's rapid fire here on the State of the Saints podcast, okay? I mean, you can ask me about any team. I guarantee you, like, I'm not trying to brag or boast, but I can talk about any team in the National Football League. I can talk about some of the things that they're they're doing and because I watch a lot of football. So even though this is the State of the Saints podcast and somebody talks about another team, you know, I definitely can give my take on it. Uh, I'm sick of seeing Taysom throw away the game. Uh, every game he has played as a starter, he has turned the ball over. Yeah, I don't want to say he uh, throws away the he on he throw away a game because he only lost one game. Now, if you want to make an argument to say that you know he turned the ball over, I want there ain't even no argument. That's a fact. Now, if you saying he turned the ball over too much, I agree with you. For you to say like he causing the team the game, he only lost one game, right? So we can't like say that he causes the team games because he only. He only lost one game as, as a Saints player, and he's not the only player on that field. Uh, right now, the Saints beating Kansas City is about pride for the team and the fans. To say we uh, beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes with if they played the way they played last week, I don't see them beating Kansas City. Uh, Pat uh, Pat M, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid are uh, not easy to beat. Very smart, almost like competed against themselves, if that makes sense. Look, man, I, I, I'm not really into this whole Kansas City game like everybody else. I'm not because, I mean, honestly, it really don't it really don't affect the Saints. You know, like let's that, that, just be real, man. If you're still looking for the number one seed, it's it going to take a miracle, man. Looking at the degree of difficulty the Saints are up against versus the Packers, you have to say that it wasn't going to get the number one seed. And even for the Saints to be in this position they are in right now, is you know it is a testament to the greatness and and the and you know what i'm saying the, the talent of the saints coaching staff right for them to even be three and one without drew Brees, for them to have 10 wins right and them to be one game away from winning the division so i'm not really into this whole kansas city chiefs game like everybody else i understand like it's supposed to be like this measuring stick game and stuff like that but if the saints were to go out there and lose to kansas city I wouldn't really be too much bothered by it. I mean, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't be bothered by it. I'm, I'm more concerned about if they see Kansas City again down the line, which I think people are just anointing the Kansas City Chiefs as, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl champions already, which I don't even, if you want me to be honest, I don't even think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just being serious. They they remind me a lot of the, the late 90s, 
Minnesota Vikings team. Like they can put up a whole bunch of points. They was extremely talented, but then they went up against a team that was rough, tough, and gritty. And, you know, the, the team just went out there and beat them. You know, that, that's the way I look at it. That, that's the way I feel what's going to happen to them. I feel like everybody's going to be singing their praises. They're going to put up a whole bunch of points. But when it's time to go to the playoffs, when they play a team like the Buffalo Bills or they play against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers or something like that, teams that can come through and as be, that can be intense and that can put pressure on your quarterback and, you know, like jam these guys and really, you know what I'm saying, see what these guys are really made out of, I think they might end up slipping up. That that just that's just the way I feel about it. They they remind me of that Vikings team. That that's exactly what they remind me of. They remind me of those Vikings. Put up a whole bunch of points, went fifteen and one, and lost, and didn't make it to the Super Bowl. The Giants did. Don't mean to brag. Don't mean to boast. But I like warm butter on my toast. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, I, I'm a I'm a toast person myself, man. You know, what I say I like. I like uh like butter on the toast. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Good breakfast right there. Fran says there's no I in team. Last week our team lost. We need to come back as a team and get it done. Look, I think the Saints gonna be much better prepared than they were last week. I just feel like they just kind of laid an egg, man. And they they just was like, man, we won nine straight. We going up against this struggling team. Like, cut the TV off. Stop looking at these press clippings and and play the team in front of you. Play as if you don't know anything about this team. You know what I'm saying? The only thing that you did was, you know, say you study, you listen to your coaches, then you went out there. Stop looking at records. Uh, stop looking at personnel. Just go out there and focus on what you can control. The Patriots played in a WAG division for years. That's the only reason they had success uh, out against real competition. Now you get a losing record and no playoff hope. And, and, and this is the thing, you know. For the first time, this was the first time that the Buffalo Bills, the the Miami Dolphins, I can't say the Jets because they stink, but this is like the first time where they felt like they actually had the franchise guys. Like if you look at the AFC East over the years, as long as uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady has been in that division, somebody please tell me, when has any of those teams, the Jets, the Dolphins, or the Bills had a quarterback? Had a quarterback that you felt like can go out there and duel it out with Tom Brady in those 20 years. You, you, I mean, look, can, can I interest you in EJ Mayu? Nope. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Can I interest you in Yancey Thickpin? No, not yet. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Thickpin. I can't think of his first name. I know I think it's Ryan Thickpin. No, right? You know what I'm saying? Can I interest you in Geno Smith? No. Can I interest you in Mark Sanchez? No. Can I interest you in Chad Pennington? He was all right. But no, all right. Can I interest you in uh Chris Henney? Nah. Okay. Can I interest you in Brock Osweiler? Nah. Right. So who the hell did they play? Who the hell did the Patriots play over the years? Who who was who was he out dueling? And, and you can know one thing. You know for a fact as as a Patriot, as a Patriot a fan, you knew that you was gonna win at least eight games, right? Because you know that you had a much better quarterback, much better coaches than every one of those teams who have had a revolving door. I mean, I can't tell you how many coaching changes happened in Miami over those years. I can't tell you how many coaching changes uh, happened with the Jets. I can't tell you how many coaching changes happened with the Bills. There was stability with the Patriots organization. There was quarterback play. 
you know what I'm saying? That was that was at a at a high level, and all those other teams were just searching and trying to figure it out. So you knew for a fact you was gonna get eight wins. So all you had to do was what go half on, you know what I'm saying? Go half away from the division. And what is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is that? Like 9, 10, 11, 12. So you're going 12 and 4 like every season. And you might, you know what I'm saying, win five or six games against somebody else. Thank you. It was Tyler Dickpin. I, okay, I was right the first time. You know, well, no, I was no, no, I wasn't right at all. Tyler Dickpin. Thank you so much. I couldn't thank his name. But I'm just I'm just being serious, man. Who did Tom Brady play? Who did Tom Brady play year in, year out, game in, game out? And don't give me that stuff about man, he went up against Peyton Manning. Man, come on, man. Like, if we if we want to be 100, I, I love me some Peyton Manning too. But these guys play some absolute hot garbage in their division, right? The Tennessee Titans, for a while, they had the late great Steve McNair. But after him, man, Vince Young, I mean, he fell off the face of the earth, right? And then you had a whole bunch of other revolving doors. I mean, down there in, in Jacksonville, you had David Garrard, Myron Leftwich, you know what I'm saying? Like, you had some trash out there, too. And then, you know, like, I mean, come on, man, the Houston Texans, like, come on, man. You had um, you had Carr, you know, who was getting sacked. I think he had like 60, uh, he got sacked like 60 times in one season. Like, these guys weren't playing nobody. Like, you look at it, like, think about this. What if the Saints were time, uh, with, with, uh, with Drew Brees, Sean Payton was playing in, let me see. Let's see if they were playing in the AFC East. I guarantee you, if if Tom Brady was going up against Drew Brees twice a year, Sean Payton was the coach, Bill Belichick was the coach, they would not have won the division as many times as they did. They would not have won the Super Bowl as many times as they did. Like I said, they they play eight games, you know what I'm saying? Eight divisional games. All of those organizations had no quarterback. You might slip up and they might have a bad game and you might win by a field goal, but that was rare. That was rare. And Peyton Manning would always throw a clutch interception. Like I said, the only thing was like they the only thing they had to do really was stop one another. That that's it. That's all they had to do. You can throw Big Ben up in that thing, right? Big Ben would be, you know what I'm saying, in, in a thick of things every now and then. Depends on if they can actually muster up a defense. You know, they'll probably be in the middle of things. Baltimore will probably be up in there if they can muster up a defense. But when it came down to it, it's about the quarterback. It's about execution. So good defenses, but average quarterback play. Only thing these two dudes had to worry about was beating each other. And that came down to coaching. Those guys were guaranteed at least eight wins a game. I mean, eight wins a season. So the majority of the time, you got to go, you got to go about 10 and six. You got to go about 10 and six, right? So I don't know. TJ, this loser, uh, uh, Gatriot, uh, Gotriot, uh, is so triggered. Uh, 16 and 0. Yeah, that was one season. That was one season. They went 16 and 0. I'll I tell you how trash that is. For anybody that's out here wanting to dispute this, the Tom Brady went down in week one. Matt Castle came into there and they went 11 and 5. And they missed the playoffs because that was just a weird year. We all know if you go 11 and 5, then you're supposed to win the division. 
You're supposed to win the division. You're supposed to make the playoffs. These guys went 11 and 5 without Tom Brady as their quarterback because that division sucked. That division had no quarterback. For any plan, knock it off. Like, be real, man. You want to talk about the, the Patriots and you want to talk about the Colts. That's just fine, man. I'm not trying to poo-poo on Tom Brady or Peyton Manning as quarterbacks, but let's not pretend like they was going up against people like, like Drew Brees has went uh, went up against. Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, you can even throw Cam Newton up in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, there has never, for the exception of Tampa, I don't think you find, you can find like three quarterbacks that has been in the same division that long going up against each other, beating each other out. Like, seriously, go go and take a look. Let me take a look here. Let's look at the NFC West. NFC West, you had the Cardinals. They was always changing quarterbacks. The Seahawks, until they got uh, until they got Russell Wilson, they were changing our quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? They had, like, Hasselback and stuff like that. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, they was having quarterback issues. The 49ers, man, I mean, need I say more? Right? I mean, it wasn't like you go throughout these divisions and, and find me a division like the NFC South where you had three elite type, you know what I'm saying, at one time or another, quarterbacks. Cam Newton, Matt Ryan won league MVP. You got Drew Brees who won Super Bowl MVP. Find me a division that is more tougher than the NFC South year in, year out. And, you know what I'm saying, you can say that the NFC South has been down over the last couple of years, but the NFC South has always been that division in football. They tried to make the NFC East be that division, but it wasn't. They tried to make the AFC East be that division, but it wasn't. Like, seriously, man, like the, the NFC South, for the most part, they, they, they destroy each other. There's a reason why they went a long time without one of those teams winning consecutive division titles. Anybody that don't believe that, they just being naive. They just being delusional. Uh, you act like I said our division is good, and you act like your division is good too. It is. The NFC, the NFC South has been one of the best divisions in football for at least the past decade. Like it's just it just started to go down because people are like rebuilding. But for the most part, like I said, you rarely ever seen back to back division title winners until like the late, you know what I'm saying, the late 2010s. That's when you start to see Carolina flex their muscle. That's when you start seeing the Saints flex their muscle. But like from 20, like I say, about 2009 to about 2015, 16, they did not have the, the, the same team winning the division like you see with the Patriots, with the Colts. That division, like I said, you, you guaranteed eight wins. Are you guaranteed eight wins in the NFC South? Over the past decade, were you guaranteed at, at eight wins in the NFC South? Hex no. Hex no. Lavelle said, I mean, uh, Jerry says, give, saying to Lavelle, they lost. Uh, the lifestyle says the NFC South has way better competition than in the AFC East. <clears throat> I stand on that. I mean, that goes without saying. That's like the sky is blue and the grass is green. This this division has been like beating each beating each other up in, like for years. It's not even close. Our division has had three different teams go to the Super Bowl in the last ten years. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So we're attacking these team fans on here now. Well, I mean, look, uh, look, look, Jerry, you know what I'm saying? Anybody that comes down the pipe, shoot, I'm, I'm going to answer their question. And what competition did y'all have in the playoffs? Like I said, man, they mostly had first round buys, home field advantage. I, I don't know, man. Look, I'm not trying to like dismiss the greatness of the Patriots, but man, like, I don't know, man. It's, Mm-hmm. NFC South, where you only need seven wins to win a division and you act like your division good. Uh, when the last time you needed seven wins in order to win this, this division? Please, somebody, please tell me that. Please tell me when the last time somebody went seven and nine and won a division. When somebody went eight and eight and won this division. Most likely it's be like 10 and six or 11 and five. Anybody, like, come on, man, knock it off. Like, you're embarrassing yourself right now. Like, if you want to say that the Patriots are a good franchise, I would agree with you. But to say that, like, these guys went out here playing in one of the easiest divisions in football, and you all had a lot of help from the media trying to legitimize y'all division and trying to make it seem like y'all were just doing something straight up incredible year in, year out, knock it off, okay? The Patriots has got a lot of help from referees in the NFL to uh, keep that little stigma thing going. And I guarantee you, if if those other organizations weren't train wrecks, y'all would not have as many division titles as y'all did. If y'all was being pushed, that division probably they probably just started pushing one another probably in the last three years. I told you all Taysom was garbage, and you told me I was crazy. Taysom threw five interceptions in preseason, and that was all I needed to see. Uh. For you to say that Taysom Hill is garbage, uh, I would say, Henry, uh, man, you jumping way up out of the window. That window is wide open. I mean, you ain't even put your foot on the lid. You just jumped clean up out the window. For you to think that Taysom Hill isn't a better quarterback than he was when he first got to the Saints, then I, I would say that you're sadly mistaken. Now, for you to say that this guy isn't good, I would say that that's a stretch too. If you want to say that, He's not a starting quarterback. Then I feel like, you know, maybe some people agree with you. But to say that this dude garbage, I feel like that's a very strong take. I don't think he garbage. I just think that, uh, you know, he just average. You know, he average right now. You know, he can win you a couple games, you know, until your starting quarterback gets back. That's the that's what I feel right now. I am encouraged that this Chiefs game because I have seen teams like Carolina, Miami go blow for blow with them. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, man, these, this team gave me some Minnesota Vikings vibes back in the in the late 90s. You know, that, that's the way I look at them, you know. And I, I, I get it, you know, like we all know what the NFL is doing, right? They're doing the same thing that the NBA is doing right now. They're, they're talking about LeBron, but they're elevating like some of the younger talent like Zion Williamson and John Moran and stuff like that because – they understand that the old guard is slowly starting to wind down and they need to talk about these other young guys to elevate the game. And it, it, it's the same way, you know, it's the same way with, with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, because they know that the Tom Brady's and the Drew Breeses and even Aaron Rodgers in most cases, you know, are, are, are starting you know, to be at the twilight of their career. And they still need those guys to be the face of the NFL, which, Patrick Mahomes is slowly becoming that fate. So, you know, 
I mean, I expect for them to talk about how great he is and how wonderful he is. And, you know, it's, it's about the entertainment aspect of it. You know, people don't want to see nothing vanilla. People want to see excitement. People want to get their socks knocked off every time something happens. That's the reason why they put so much emphasis. Oh, Patrick Mahomes with the no-look pass. Oh, Patrick Mahomes threw the ball with his left hand. Did you see him throw the ball off his back foot? I mean, he he just missed his defender, but wow, what an arm. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless to what he does, you know, like, it just amplified. Which I understand, like, he, he deserves all the credit in the world. He's really, really good. But for them to make it seem like the Saints don't have a chance is laughable. It is it, absolutely laughable. And now the narrative is about who the Saints beat. At first it was the Saints weren't going to beat Tampa. Then it was like the Saints going to beat Tampa the first time. They ain't going to beat them again. Then it was like, oh, it was more what Tampa did and the Saints didn't do. Then, oh, you know what I'm saying? The Saints defense won the best in, in the league, but they played this team and that team. And now, you know what I'm saying, if they just so happen to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, now it's going to be talking about what they're going to do in the playoffs. Look, what the Saints are right now is one of the most hated teams in the National Football League because nobody wants to give this team any type of credit, right? Because, like I said, they just don't consider the Saints' excitement. Their, their, their pedigree and their legacy uh, isn't as enriched in, in, in success as some of these other franchises. You know, they're not a nostalgia act like a, like a Green Bay Packers or uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And like I said, they just destroy the natural order of things. They, they, you know, I, I guarantee you, like, they cannot wait for something like Drew Brees to retire where they feel like the Saints might fall back and they don't really have to address them anymore because that's the way they look at it. I mean, they, I've never seen media people just come out in droves to try to uh, discredit, just try to discredit a team. You know, like, this team won nine straight games and they act like everybody can do it. You know, how many years have we seen them, like, act as if Drew Brees like I said, grown trees. Like anybody can just go out there and just and be as accurate as Drew Brees. You know what I'm saying? That can put this their team in position to succeed like Drew came. You know, like it, it's ridiculous, right? But if it was another franchise, if Sean Payton was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers and Drew Brees was the Green Bay Packers quarterback, I mean, he would probably be the next best thing since sliced toast bread. It just the Saints just messed up the, the natural order of things. They don't want to talk about the Saints. They want to talk about Tom Brady. They want to talk about Patrick Mahomes with the no-look passes. They want to talk about Lamar Jackson out there being extremely elusive. They want to talk about Josh Allen throwing the ball 60 yards. That's what they want, man. I mean, the Saints are, like, boring. You know, nothing really comes out of uh, Metairie. You know, you don't really hear that much about them. Anytime, you know, the new the media gets a story about the Saints, all of a sudden it just goes away. They don't like that. They like controversy. They like what's going on in Dallas. They like seeing Jerry Jones come address the media, address the media after every game. You know, they like all that stuff. The Saints don't fall into that category. And for that, I don't care because they are one of the most consistent franchises in the National Football League. And that's something that you can't take away from them right now. The NFC West has had all four teams in the Super Bowl in the past 12 years. Yeah, that is true, man. The NFC West is a really good division. They really are. They're a really good division. Uh, you know, I think that uh, right now they're the best division in football. Uh, don't throw uh, Winston in a bad situation against the Chiefs and have everyone say he can't play anymore. Yeah, I mean, but I don't think you're going to see him. I think they're going to roll with Taysom. 
I'm gonna move on to somebody else, man. You know, the, the Patriot fan, man. I love you, man. Appreciate your feedback, but I, I want to make sure I, I get other people's opinions. Uh, exactly, Saints uh, are the most hated. No love on the media, but when we lose, everybody talk down on us. But when we win, no love. Exactly. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like the Cleveland Browns, right? Like the Cleveland Browns with a nine and four, which is extremely impressive, right? I mean, the Cleveland Browns have been a doormat in the National Football League. These guys are about to make the playoffs. They're about to make the playoffs, and, and nobody is talking about the Browns. Nobody's saying nothing. But if the Browns go out there and lose and they get beat, then all of a sudden, oh, what's going on with Baker Mayfield? Oh, he doesn't connect with his players. Oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like they have, like, their agenda, right? It's like when a, a team wins that they like, they just put them way up here, like like – like the like the Bucks won on Sunday, right? They beat the Vikings, but they make it seem like it was just the most impressive victory in 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 football or something. Like if you go back and look at that game, it was like if you want to talk about it was more about what the what a team did more so with the what the team that won did. My goodness, I mean Dan Bailey basically hand wrapped. You know what I'm saying? That that game to these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like gift wrapped it to them, Merry Christmas style. Like they but. Nobody will say anything like that. They don't talk about that. They, they don't talk about that type of stuff. They'll talk about, you know, who the Saints beat, but they won't take into account how the Saints have had, like, so many starters miss games this season, how they went to Detroit, and they went out there without their number one or number two corner, how, you know what I'm saying, Michael Thomas didn't play in, like, six weeks, how Emmanuel Sanders was out with COVID, how Teron Armstead was out with COVID how all of these different situations have occurred and yet the saints still find themselves in the thick of things. It is absolutely amazing to me, but they won't do that because the narrative right now is the saints can't win the big one. That, that's the narrative and you take it and they want to run with it. So anytime that the saints go out here and win, I seen that trend. If they go out there and win, then you never really hear about them. Like every Sunday, you know, when I'm at work, I'm listening in my, in my, on my headphones and I'm listening to Football Night in America. It's like this little segment that they do after like every Sunday night game. And it's probably about 20 minutes. I think the Saints end up uh, beating the Falcons. And this was like on, when they were on their nine game winning streak. Crickets. When the Saints lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, they was like in the top spot on every single media show. They were like at the front. Oh, the Saints lost to this team. What's going on? Like every every time they lose, they lost when they lost to the Raiders. Oh, it, the, the Saints. Oh, oh, it is it, it, it Drew Brees is over for them. It's over for the Saints. It's like every time the Saints lose, they always are the always at the front of the news. And then when they start winning, like they you never see it. You never see them. You never see them talked about at all. And and if they do talk about them, it's like Nothing they do is impressive, but it's funny because if you want to elevate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, aren't they playing the same exact schedule as the Saints? Well, we will be division champs before our game starts. <laughs> uh, can you ban the Patriots guy? I'm not. I'm not banning the Patriots guy, man. I'm not banning him. I'm not gonna ban him. You know, I don't. I'm not. What is he saying? What is he saying to get banned? Because I mean, I don't know if he's 
if he using profanity or something like that, then I'll ban him. But if he just expressing himself and saying all that stuff, then fine. Let me see what he's saying. Saints on NFC South because every team in y'all division has a losing uh, franchise record. Um, losing franchise record. I don't get that. I don't get that. It, uh, okay, so what he's doing right now is just basically just saying stuff that don't make sense. Okay, I mean, look, if you're gonna talk, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have some, you, know, you gotta come with some some stuff, man. That that ain't that's that's opinion. Let me see. Somebody say ban him. Uh, NFC South more than I wish I were in the NFC South more than anything. Okay. Well, somebody said because he can't even spell. Look, man, I, look, I, I'm not banning anybody unless you like using profanity or something like that, man. Look, I feel like everybody uh, have a right to their opinion. I'm not going to ban them as long as you ain't using profanity. And you know what I'm saying? Like if he's saying those things, man, it seems like to me like he he frustrating a lot of people in here. Y'all got to come hard, I guess. TJ, uh, did you see Brandon Marshall on NFL Network saying the Saints window is closed and uh, trash talking Emmanuel Sanders saying – He's overrated. Sound like Brandon uh, is more so to the Saints than keep him. I don't care what he's saying, man. I mean, he's been proven wrong on several occasions. He's been, you know, he's been proven on several occasions that he that he don't know what he's talking about. So I'm not impressed. And like I said, man, these guys are trying to keep jobs. Like these guys are trying to give you hot takes so they can so they can stay working, man. I, I don't buy into this stuff, man. I, I don't I don't buy into these things. Yeah, this guy, he was talking, uh, it was on Pat McAfee podcast. It's available on my uh, Twitter page, uh, State of Saints, at State of Saints, if you want to see it. But, I mean, he was just talking about Drew Brees, talking about he thinks Drew Brees is a pompous a-hole, and, you know what I'm saying, like, Drew Brees needs to go ahead and retire. You need to get out of here. And I'm like, where did this come from? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just basically just start bad-mouthing the guy for no reason, like, guys just do stuff like that because you know they just want to have hot takes they want to be they want to be relevant so bad they don't really have talent they don't really do any research they don't really have any type of facts to support that they just want to kind of stir the pot you know i'm I'm glad that i'm not trying to be that person and and honestly you're not gonna last long anyway you're not gonna last long if you you continue to, to, to do your career like that so I mean, everybody wants to be Skip Bayless. Everybody want to be Stephen A. Smith. You go on ESPN, everybody trying to yell loud and, and do all these little funny gestures just like Stephen A. Smith. And everybody on Fox Sport 1, everybody want the hot takes like Skip Bayless. Like, everybody, nobody is original anymore. Like, everybody just basically just spinoffs, right? You know, like, you, you look at Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless, they like Cheers, and everybody else is like Frazier or or, you know what I'm saying, like some of them other spinoff shows, you know, Frazier made it, but, you know, I'm looking at some of these other shows that, that were spinoffs that didn't work out. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I have to think, but they they more like watered down spinoffs. Taysom is going to blow uh, for, is going blow for blow with Mahomes this Sunday. Trust me. Well, I hope you're right, St. Central. That's a strong take right there. <laughs> That's a hot take. Right now, only thing y'all own is a losing record. Look, man, I, I don't know. Let me see. Brandon Marshall mad at y'all because he didn't make y'all team. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. 
Patriots have a winning record versus every NFC South team. Uh, they don't have a winning record. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady don't have a winning record against Drew Brees, not do we? Go back and look at it. Now, you know, he don't have a winning record against Drew Brees uh, all time. No, he don't. You know, if you want to be real, Drew Brees owns Tom Brady. That's a fact. Good job, TJ. Been a fan since you started. Just always miss your live feeds due to work. I coach high school uh, ball. Been a Saints fan my entire life. Love your show and your dedication. Man, I appreciate it, man. Hey, I'm running on films right now. I worked all night. Uh, I'm actually about to have to wrap this up, man. I have I have an interview I have to do, man, for the radio station. Um, Very interesting interview, man. I actually have a chance to talk to the guy who's the, over the state of South Carolina. Uh, he's one of the... Uh, researchers of infectious diseases so i'm going to be talking to him about covid19 and the vaccine so i'm excited about that man I'm, you know i'm i'm always uh happy like to you know give people information and stuff like that they may not have so i have to be preparing for that in a few minutes so that's something i'm excited about uh the old times are over patriots uh tom brady gone and he is old and y'all mad because y'all missing brady and crying <laughs> Tom Brady, look, Tom Brady uh, has a losing record against uh, Drew Brees. We can talk about percentages all you want to. You know, we can talk about winning percentages all we want to. You know, you brag all that stuff up. We play year to year. And if you're talking about your quarterback is better than our quarterback, that ain't, you know, head to head, he is not. And I think we can use that because we always using that to validate Tom Brady is better than Peyton Manning, right? So. That's why I say I just feel like Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. He ain't the greatest quarterback of all time. Breeze beat Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and now Patrick Mahomes. Well, I don't think uh, Breeze going to play against Patrick Mahomes, so that remains to be seen. Uh, 38 to 3, pretty much. And I doubt if, you know, I doubt is he a Patriot fan anyway, you know. I don't think he a Patriot fan. You know, I just think that he probably – a, a Tom Brady fan. And eventually, like if the Patriots start going back to mediocrity or they don't make those so or they don't make their way back to the Super Bowl, then might change his handle. <laughs> might be uh I don't know, uh, you know, goat packer or something like that. You know, maybe a goat uh raven or something like that, you know. We'll see, man. We'll we'll see. But then at the end of the day, uh, you know, back to the topic at hand. You know, got to the questions, but I just feel like we just need to give Jameis Winston a chance. We need to give him an opportunity to go out there to see what he actually has. And if he does, he doesn't pan out, then, you know, you can go in a different direction. But let's see what he can bring to the table. Let's see what he can bring to the table. You know, uh, I think that uh, the Saints can can utilize him. I mean, he has a lot of great qualities, man, if he can just cut down on those interceptions. But I'll be back later on in the week uh, uh, to talk about the Saints game versus the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to be doing a prediction. Who is going to win that game, man? Who is going to win the week, the week 15 matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New Orleans Saints? I'll let you know on, on the later edition of the State of the Saints podcast. But I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. And be sure to check out previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. Follow the State of the Saints podcast on Twitter at State of Saints. That's at State of Saints. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. 
and facebook.com search the state of the saints podcast and for those that were telling me to block the guy look man you're not gonna always agree we're not gonna always agree you know there are gonna be people that come into the chat and you might not agree with what they're saying man but at the same time that's what makes us different right we we have a difference of opinion and i have i have an appreciation man i have appreciation that a patriot fan would come to the state of the saints podcast to talk about the saints and nfc south because number one that just tells me that i'm pretty doggone good at what i'm doing (laughs) and number two it just shows you how lit this show is man because of you i mean come on man for us to be talking about the kansas city chiefs that were afc west team and we are in the nfc south and somebody from the afc east wants to come into the chat that just shows you right there that this show is lit and it tells it tells you right there that your boy is going in the right direction man so take that as a badge of honor take that in a way like man this show is pretty doggone good that somebody from a completely different division and a team that the saints ain't even playing has come to the state of saints podcast and i hope you come back man i really do and i hope you subscribe and uh you know i hope they have some good luck man maybe they you know get a good decent draft pick maybe get another quarterback but all i know is man i'm just excited as you're here rather i've seen uh jules i think he's a raven fan shouts out to jules out there uh you know shouts out to the goat patriot fan you know what i'm saying much love to you and for everybody else you know any other person of any other nfl team that came through thank you so much man that just shows that we're growing man have that appreciation y'all made this show what it is you made the show what it is man you made the bed now you gotta lie to it. you helped me make this show what it is so now you have to come you you gotta you gotta reap the rewards of it man and sometimes those rewards may come in a form of a headache and frustration but i want to say thank y'all because y'all made this show very very successful man and we're going to continue to grow and uh man we're pretty close man like we we moving up there man we almost at six thousand subscribers already you know <laughs> you know we just got a, we got a couple more hundred subscribers to go but my goodness man you know what i'm saying like we got to 5100 pretty fast here so we're growing man we're we're going in the right direction and i appreciate you all stopping by man thank you so much for checking out the state of the saints podcast i am tj jones the host and all i gotta say is who that <laughs>